Good morning, church. So very good to see you this morning. I love you, and I am so thankful for you. I'm thankful not only for your presence, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, but I'm also thankful that you are allowing God to use you in the world, to use you in this community. Thank you for being part of what God is doing. Happy Mother's Day to those of you that are mothers. We are celebrating with you. We have you on our, in our thoughts and on our mind today. And I also want to tell you that uh, for those of you that today is a hard day, whether because you're not a mother and you would like to be, because you've lost your mother, or for any other reason, today is a hard day. We have you on our thoughts and in our prayers today as well. One of the things that I like to do every Mother's Day is start a new series, no matter what else we have going on. I like to do a series between Mother's Day and Father's Day where we focus on family, where we think about our faith, our theology, our following Jesus, our discipleship, and and think about what does that look like as we live out our discipleship in our homes specifically, what does that look like in our families? What does it look like to be followers of Jesus in our family? And this month, we're going to focus specifically on creating and fostering a spirit of perseverance, having homes and families encouraging each other, no matter what your role in the family may be. You may be a husband or a wife, a a father or a mother or a child, a son or daughter, a brother, a sister, a cousin, a grandparent, a grandchild, whatever your role in the family, we all play a role in fostering a spirit of perseverance, encouraging each other to, to stay committed, to keep going, to not give up, to not throw in the towel, to be faithful, no matter what happens, to be faithful. But because it is Mother's Day, I thought it would be sort of an encouraging experiment to ask my closest friends on Facebook, you know how that goes, right? Uh, So I asked my closest friends on Facebook, what did your mother teach you? Did your mother teach you how to remain steadfast, how to persevere, how to endure. What were some of the things that your mother impressed upon you to help you to be the kind of person who didn't give up? And some of the responses were so incredibly encouraging. And I wanted to read a couple of those to you this morning. One was from my my friend Kay, and Kay is a wonderful woman. And, And here's what she said about her mother. She said, she taught me to play the piano and try other instruments, even though I had no fingers on my right hand. I was always treated as if I could do everything around the farm, and so I did. She helped me in my school classroom when I became a teacher, and so when I wanted to do third world missions, she never ever tried to get me to stay home, even when I was gone for a full year. And now her mother is 95, and she says, at 95, I now care for her, and she still encourages me, and she is in all three worship services every week, and after having cancers and becoming blind in one eye and having six breaks, she continues to be faithful. My friend Chase Turner said this, that his mother was the perfect example of selflessness and generosity. And he said that those two words go hand in hand when seeking to help the poor. He said, I've been able to learn to live with contentment because of her example of seeking to meet the needs of others. 
As I was thinking about that question, what did my mother, what did my parents, what, what did my home life, my family teach me about endurance and perseverance? How did my family teach me and help me to be the kind of person who keeps going and doesn't give up? I, I was reflecting on that question, and I thought, you know, one of the things that they did was they gave me room to fail, and I certainly failed plenty of times. They, they gave me room to mess up. They, they allowed me to, to put myself in situations that were hard and difficult and painful. And, and now as a, as a parent, now a, of a teenager and a preteen, thinking about how, how difficult that is to allow your kids to get hurt, allow your kids to be in painful situations. In fact, in first service, I told them a story about one of my sons. Now both of my sons are in second service. Somebody in first service ratted me out and said I told this story and I didn't have permission to tell this story. So between class and this service, I got the you-know-what-you-did look from one of the sons. So I won't tell you about that story, but... but Suffice it to say that we as parents, we know how bad it hurts us when we see our kids hurt, when we see them going through a painful situation, when we see them in pain. So as parents, what we realize, and we all know this, that one of the things that we want to do is we want to protect, but we also want to prepare. We all want to protect and prepare our children, regardless of whether your parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles or foster parents or step parents, we all want to protect our children, but we also want to prepare our children. And these two things can actually be in tension with one another. It can be hard to do both because, because if we overprotect our children, overprotection can sometimes leave children underprepared. Isn't that true? That being overprotective can sometimes lead children to be or leave children underprepared. Underprepared physically, underprepared emotionally, underprepared relationally, that sometimes, even though we, we rightfully want to protect our children from experiencing pain, Sometimes it's in those painful situations that we learn to endure, that we learn to persevere, that we learn to be steadfast, that we learn to, to get up and, and keep moving. So even though we want to rightfully protect our children and we have an obligation to protect our children, we also want to prepare our children. But being overprotective can sometimes lead to children being underprepared I want us to reflect on that tension a little bit this morning and how we desire to do both, to protect and to prepare our children to persevere and endure. What, what I can't do is tell you where that line is between being rightfully protective and being overprotective. I'm still trying to figure out where to draw that line myself. But, but what I can tell you and what I, I do want to encourage us to think about is the Psalms, that the Psalms can help you and your family be protected and prepared, that this collection of poetry, this 
Holy Spirit-inspired poetry has been shaping and teaching God's people for thousands of years. And isn't that amazing that we have this collection of of psalms, of songs, of poems that have helped to, to shape the thinking and the lives of God's people, that if we meditate on these psalms, if we think about these psalms, if we read these psalms, if we sing these psalms, if we embrace this as part of our family's routine, and that's what I want to encourage you to do. I, I want to encourage you throughout this series to make the Psalms a part of your family's routine. That by making this part of our routine, meditating on these words of wisdom, these spiritual thoughts, these inspired poems, that it can help to protect us and help to prepare us for whatever life holds. So whatever your role in the family, again, whether you're a mom or a dad, a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, a grandparent, whatever your role is, I want to encourage us all to make the Psalms a part of our regular routine in our homes so that God can help us through them to be protected and Prepared. I want to show you how that works. Look at Psalm chapter 57, if you would. Psalm 57. Now, there's a scribal note in most of your Bibles, probably, that tells us this is a Psalm of David, and it was when he was running away from Saul and was hiding in the cave. But what I want us to recognize is that even though this was written by David, it was written for the people who would come after David. So even though it was written by David in the circumstances and the situation that he was in, it wasn't written for that. It was written for God's people who would come after him for all of the various situations and circumstances that they would find themselves in, including you, including us, that this was written to help shape your family, for your family to to think about and to meditate on, to help prepare you for what life will throw at you. Look at verse 1. David says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. See, this is one of the ways that the Psalms help to protect us and prepare us is by teaching us to expect storms. They teach us to expect challenges. They teach us to expect trials. They they teach us to expect to not be comfortable. Because sometimes, if we're not careful, we do expect to be comfortable, don't we? We expect everything to go according to plan. We expect everything to work out the way we want it to work out. We expect the the skies to be sunny and the birds to be chirping and everything to go well. And then when it doesn't, when life doesn't go according to plan, when things get messed up, when things hurt, when we fall down, when something is painful, then we're surprised we're shocked. And, and here's what I've noticed about surprised people, and you've probably noticed this too. Surprised people tend to make very poor decisions. Isn't that true? 
When you're surprised, you tend to make very poor decisions. I know I, I tend to make very poor decisions when I'm surprised. When I'm shocked that things didn't go a certain way, when I'm surprised that things went poorly, I tend to make very bad decisions. I, I tend to get anxious and afraid and upset and angry because things didn't go the way I expected them to. But the Psalms, they teach us you can expect trials. You can expect challenges. You can expect pain. You can expect storms. These things are going to come. Not just they might come, but they will come. You will have challenges. Life is not always going to be comfortable. Life is not always going to be fair. These things are going to happen. But the Psalms also teach us what to do when those trials come, when those storms come. Take refuge in the Lord. Don't lean on your own strength. Don't lean on your own power and your own might, but take refuge in the Lord. Do we see how this is something we need to embrace and talk about and meditate on in our families, and our homes? Regardless if you're just the only person in your home or there's a whole lot of people in your home, this needs to be something we think about. There is going to come a storm. A trial is coming. Maybe you're in the midst of it right now. And here's what you do when the trial comes. You take refuge in the Lord. You lean on his strength until the storms of destruction pass by. Now that's good news too, isn't it? The storms of destruction will pass by. This too will pass. That's good news, isn't it? Because sometimes in the moment... When you're dealing with a trial, when you're dealing with a storm, when you're dealing with pain, when you're dealing with difficulty, when things are hard and they didn't go according to plan, you feel like it's going to last forever. You feel like this storm will never be done. But the Psalms shape us and teach us to be people that not only expect there to be a storm, but also expect for God to show up and for that storm to pass by. This too will pass. This too will be over. And here's what we do in those moments. Verse 2, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. See, this is what the Psalms do as well. This is how the Psalms help to protect us and help to prepare us is by teaching us the nature of God. All too often, we try to discern the nature of God by looking at our circumstances. But your circumstances don't teach you God's nature, who God is. Because in spite of whatever is going on in your life right now, God is good. Amen? In spite of whatever is going on in your life right now, because it might not feel like it right now, but God is good. God is a God who is a keeper of promises. God is a God who is a savior. 
God is a God who is full of faithfulness. God is a God who is full of steadfast love. And he will send out his faithfulness. He will send out his steadfast love to rescue his people, to deliver his people. And that was not just true for David. That's true for all of God's people, which means that's true for you. And some of us haven't spent enough time dwelling on and meditating on and embracing this truth because some of us still don't feel like this is true for us. Or we might feel like, well, God will send his steadfast love and his faithfulness to rescue some people, other people, but not me. God's not going to help me. God's not going to deliver me. God's not going to save me. But the Psalms shape us to be the kind of people who not just expect storms, but expect deliverance, expect for God to show up, for God to deliver. God will send his faithfulness and his steadfast love on your behalf. And you say, Wes, that's a big promise. How can you know that that's true for me? Because it's already happened, hasn't it? In the cross of Jesus, in the first appearing of Jesus, he has already shown up for you. He sent out his faithfulness for you. He sent out his steadfast love for you. And he's shown up in his first appearing. And he will show up again in his second appearing. And between those two appearings, he will continue to show up and bless his people. And we know ultimately... Ultimately, Jesus is coming. And he's coming not just for somebody out there, but he's coming for you. His faithfulness and his steadfast love will be sent out for you. And the Psalms teach us to anticipate that, to expect that, to be confident of that reality because we know the nature of God. We know his character. Look at verse 4. He says, My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. You ever been in a situation like that? Where you feel like people are attacking you? Like you feel like people are wild beasts and lions, like their, their tongues and their words are daggers and arrows. As a, as a dad, I don't want my, my children to ever experience that. I wish I could protect them from that, from the meanness of people. I, I don't want them to ever experience people's words and people's actions mistreating them and hurting them and causing them pain. I I wish I could protect them from that. But guess what? They have and they will experience that. They will experience people being mean to them. People saying cruel things to them. People saying unfair things to them. So as much as I want to and as much as I try to protect them from that, I also have to prepare them for this reality. This will happen. People will mistreat you. People will be rude and cruel and mean and unfair. People will talk this way and do these things to you, but take refuge 
in the Lord. And look at verse 5. He says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Even in the middle of the complaint, even in the middle of describing the storm and describing just how bad it is and how much it hurts and how painful it is, he bursts out in praise. Because this is the way it will be. See, the Psalms teach us as individuals and as families, teach us to to deal with and to persevere through and to endure the way things are, but also to anticipate with hope, with faith, what will be, that God's glory will be over all the earth. That someday there won't be any more lions and beasts and swords and spears. There won't be any more meanness and cruelty. There won't be any more sin. There won't be any more death. And so we long for and anticipate that day even as we live in this day. Even as we live in the middle of the storm. We anticipate the day when the storm will be over. And the way that David puts this, it reminds me so much of the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Do you remember? Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be hallowed. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your glory be over all the earth. Even in the middle of the storm. Even when the rain is coming down, even when the floodwaters are coming up, even when it's hailing, even when it's lightning, even when it's thunder, even when it hurts, even when we're afraid, we know that this day is coming and God's glory will be over all the earth. Verse 6, they set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. This is what happens to the wicked. They dig a pit to try to trap someone else and they fall into it. Every time I read these kinds of passages in scripture, and there's a lot of them, I think about Wiley Coyote. Remember Wiley Coyote? I mean, he was always setting a trap for the roadrunner, and his trap would always spring on himself. The roadrunner didn't have to worry. In fact, I'm not even sure the roadrunner was even aware of the coyote's existence. Because the trap always sprang on the coyote. And over and over and over and over again in Scripture, this is what we are assured of. If you hurt people, you will be hurt by your own devices. If you trap people, you will be trapped. If you you kill people, if you destroy people, you will be trapped destroyed. Not just you might, but you will. This life of sin, this life of destroying, this life of trapping, this life of hurting is self-destructive. But do we see that this brings a calm assurance to God's people? Because we know this is what's going to happen to those who are out to get us. This is what's going to happen to evil people. This is what's going to happen to wicked people. They're going to fall into their own trap. They're on a self-destructive path. They cannot win. And there is a calm assurance that comes with embracing this truth. There's a calm assurance that comes with believing this truth. 
And this is the truth that we have to impress on the next generation. There are evil people, and it does hurt when they're out to get you, but they will not win. They cannot win. They will fall into their own traps. Older generations have to impress this calm assurance on younger generations. Let me say that one more time. Older generations have to impress this calm assurance on younger generations that evil cannot win. We have to feed that spirit. We have to foster that spirit of calm assurance. We have to foster that spirit of perseverance in our homes. And I'll tell you, cable news and social media are not fostering that kind of spirit, are they? They want to keep us anxious and afraid. They, they want to keep us angry. But the Psalms shape us and teach us to be the kind of people who truly believe this is the fate of the wicked. Evil cannot win. Evil will not win. God will show up for his people and the wicked will fall into the traps that they've laid for others. Look at verse seven. He says, my heart is, what's the word? My heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. My heart is steadfast. That's the kind of heart we need to have in our homes. That's the kind of heart we need to impress on the next generation. And we can have a steadfast heart only when it's anchored to the steadfast love of the Lord. When your heart is anchored to the steadfast love of the Lord, then your heart can be steadfast. It can be immovable. It can be committed. It can be, it can persevere. It can endure. Not going up and down on all of the roller coasters of life but to have a steadfast heart because it's anchored to the steadfast love of the Lord because we know this is who our God is and our God is a keeper of promises. Our God is a savior. Our God is full of faithfulness. Our God is full of steadfast love. See, that's why it's so important that families think about these truths and sing these truths and meditate on these truths so that in our homes we can have steadfast hearts. Verse 9, he says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. The Psalms, they teach us to give praise when the storm is over, but they also teach us to give praise while the storm rages on. Even, even when the skies are not blue and the grass is not green and the birds are not chirping, even when the rain is coming down, even when it hurts, even when it's painful, even when it's scary, 
The Psalms teach us and shape us to be the kind of people who praise God in the midst of that because we know that his faithfulness is coming. We know that his steadfast love is coming. We know that evil will not win and cannot win. We know that his glory will be over all the earth. The Psalms teach us to be that kind of people. And we have to teach and encourage that in our homes. We have to impress it upon every generation that every family has its storm. And every storm has its end. The Psalms teach us and help us to be those kind of people, don't they? To recognize that every family has its storm. You may be in the middle of it right now, or there may be a storm that's coming, but every storm has its end. Or to put it another way, the Psalms teach us to anticipate the storm so we're not surprised, and anticipate the deliverance so we don't despair. Isn't that what they do? The Psalms teach us to anticipate the storm so we're not surprised. Again, surprised people tend to make very poor decisions. Surprised people tend to act in fear. Surprised people tend to act in anger. And so the Psalms shape us to be the kind of people who anticipate there's probably a storm coming. Things are not always going to go the way that I want them to. Things are not always going to be the way I want them to be. Things are always not going to be comfortable. A storm is probably coming, but to also anticipate the deliverance so we don't despair. Because in the middle of the storm, when things are painful and things hurt and things are scary, it can be very easy to despair, can't it? To think it's never going to end. It's always going to be this way. But the, the Psalms shape us to, to be the kind of people who know this storm will pass and God's deliverance will come. How do I know that? Because God has already shown up in the person of Jesus Christ. He's already died for me. He's already conquered death. He's already won the victory over sin and death. And when we're baptized into Jesus, we are embracing that truth, aren't we? And we're saying, I believe. I believe the good news. I believe that every storm has its end. I believe that God has and is and will bring an end to sin and death. I believe that all the storms will come to an end because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. When we're baptized into Jesus, we are embracing that truth. But then every day after that, when things get hard and things hurt and things are scary and challenging, it can be difficult to remember that. It can be difficult to anticipate the deliverance, so we don't despair. And for that, we have not only the scriptures, but we have one another, our families and this church family, to remind each other, this storm will pass. God's deliverance is coming because there's too many of us who are living in despair. And there's no need to live in despair when you belong to Jesus. So if we can help you this morning, whether it be baptized into Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, or we can pray with you and encourage you as you go through a storm. We're here to help you. Our shepherds would love to meet with you after service in the prayer room where you can come forward as together we stand and sing this song.